Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast, your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. Welcome back to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me as always is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. I'm here in the same room. As Christian, for once, we're actually together. We're this not week. on the phone. We can actually look into each other's eyes and maybe have a little <laughs> bit of like some personality together. Maybe? Yeah, we can actually interact now. <laughs> I'm not having to watch Brooks on a fuzzy FaceTime. So I know you guys can't see us, but this is wonderful for whole, us. Whole new world for us. Yeah, we're discovering new things. But anyway, Brooks, what are we talking about this week? Well, you know, we we are coming off of uh, a weekend where. Some of the top 2021 and 2022 players uh, went to St. Louis, Missouri for a camp called the Nike Elite 100. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of use it as a way to springboard into previewing Peach Jam. Uh, talk about some of your storylines heading into Peach Jam, what you're planning on covering there. Uh, then we're going to talk a little uh, about the incoming freshmen, some of the audio from Media Day with the freshmen. Uh, we're going to do some more football recruiting that you dominate, uh, and then we're just going to kind of close it out with maybe a story or two. So what do you think? Does it sound pretty good? Sounds good. I don't know how we're going to close it on a story, but I guess we will cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, let's do it. Brooks, first up, like you said, we're going to discuss Pete Sham, which Go Tigers 247 will be at. Uh, and first off, you talked about storylines. I think my biggest one there is – actually going to be after Peach Jam because to me the biggest thing about Peach Jam is really honing in on the guys that you want for that class and that's why this is such an important weekend for all for you know for all the 2020 2021 recruits is because this is when coaching staffs really learn uh, who they want because you see targets already you see priorities already but this weekend really culminates this culminates everything everything comes together this weekend so that's my biggest thing to see where Memphis's staff really starts targeting after this because like we said they've got their priorities we went through their priority list uh, pretty recently so I think this weekend uh, for Pete Sham is gonna be another big factor and we'll see where this staff really wants to go after that oh it's gonna change for sure you know you you look at you rewind the clock one year ago Boogie Ellis was not on Memphis's target list he wasn't on a lot of teams' target list. He wasn't on Dukes. Uh, he had a massive Peach Jam shot, 48% from three, uh, which just went crazy at Peach Jam and took off. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think Memphis will reevaluate. Obviously, I think some of their priorities will stay the same. But, you know, I think, I think they'll start to shift some. Uh, it's the biggest stage. No, absolutely. And you see every – high school player that will be at Peach Sham, you see them tweeting about it months in advance because that's how big of a deal it is. And, Brooke, something that we spoke about earlier is what this did for Memphis's 2019 class because over half the guys that are actually on campus now of the seven guys that were in the 2019 class were not being recruited by Memphis until Peach Sham. 100%. You know, you look at a guy like Damian Ball who's on the UAA circuit with Team Thad. Memphis didn't even recruit him last summer. They didn't even recruit him until after Memphis Madness. They, you know, they started evaluating him, seeing what he did for Tennessee Prep. But Memphis had seen him last summer at the Super Six, at the Super Sixty, Super Thirty Two in Atlanta, uh, one of the Sean Williams events in Atlanta, 
and and love what they saw. And they kind of put that in their back pocket, saved it until they needed it. And then once they got to a point where they realized, you know what? We could use a 6'4 guard that, that defends, knows how to get on, out on a break and puts himself in a position uh, to to let others be better within an offense. So, Yeah, you touched on that perfectly. You said Memphis kind of put Damian Ball in the back pocket, and that's what this is. Even if you don't see them targeting different guys after Pete Sham, this is kind of where they, they put a little post-it note on some of those guys and say, okay, if we need it, we're going to come back to, to that guy because we know what he brings to the table. And that and like we said, it starts on that weekend. That's when uh, they'll start pushing some guys to the side and, and – putting some guys in the back pocket like you said because uh you can never run out of assets and that's i think this staff really learned that in the 2019 class is that uh at the end of it when it's shaping up and you need more guys you go back to those guys that you watched over the summer in june and july and you say okay now it's time to start going after that guy yeah i mean right now we're talking about three to five guys in 2020 and you know that could change you, know, you you have one remaining scholarship that they could end up adding to the the pool for 2020. Uh, and let's just say you have a player transfer or you have uh, you know a guy that goes to the league unexpectedly and now all of a sudden you've got an extra scholarship. So you've got two guys now two spots to fill. Now, now all of a sudden you you get to go into your back pocket and say, who did we love at Peach Jam? Who did we love at UAA Finals that we didn't necessarily think we were going to need? Um, so it's, it's so important. Uh, this is a kind of a funny story. I was sitting in a, another division one assistant coach's office, not Memphis. Uh, and I, I never noticed it before, but I look up and on the window of his office, I start seeing purple, uh, marker and he did dry erase board marker on his window because you cannot see it. You cannot read it unless you're right up close to it. And the way that he ended up showing me, the way he does his targets, he's, he, he does bubbles. And he would do all of the guys that he liked but didn't have an in with or didn't feel like he needed yet on a bubble that kind of overlapped their priorities. And he would shift those guys into their priorities based upon who they either missed or who, who he started to develop a relationship with. So that's what Memphis will be doing. They'll be moving guys within their bubbles. Um, so what? Who are the just to recap? Top five to seven priorities. I mean, I think number one overall. James going Springer. Springer. Yep. Yeah, James right. Springer and Greg Brown, Cade Cunningham, Chris Moore, Matthew Morrell. So all like we said, all those guys will You've be got there. Jalen Green, Jalen Green as well, obviously. Um, so with all those guys, that's this is when you cast a wide net, and then also you get to see these guys in action against the best players in the country. And that is, it's really a measuring stick at that point for what those guys that you think can do actually can do. Well, what's crazy is of those top six, only one, no, two, two guys are non Nike guys Jaden Springer, Matthew Morrell, yeah, right? Absolutely. And Both one, Cade Cunningham, his brother uh, was just hired by Oklahoma State. So you look, and Memphis is now already in a position where one of their top six targets for 2020 they may now shift the guy into that top six, seven of their priorities. Uh, because if if my inclination is right and Kate Cunningham is now uh, a heavy Oklahoma State lean, Memphis can now slide some of those other guys up and add another guy. Right, it's the perfect time because we know they like Cade Cunningham. We know he's one of the top priorities. 
But like you said, with his brother going to Oklahoma State, and he's he's made comments that it wasn't going to affect his recruiting, but from everything we've ever seen in basketball recruiting, if something like that happens, it makes a big difference. So like you said, it's a perfect time to, to kind of start looking uh, to some guys that you may have already put on the back shelf and may have quit may have stopped thinking about at this point and say, okay, if, if we think that's a foregone conclusion, we think he's going to Oklahoma State, we'll slide this guy into a spot and it works out perfectly. Well, so some of the other guys that I'd like to talk about uh, when we spoke about Elite 100 that will be at Nike's uh, Peach Jam is uh, one 2021 point guard, Jordarian Davison, JD. Uh, Brian Snow wrote about, he wrote about him from St. Louis and this is what he had to say. A big-time athlete at the guard spot, Davison can get to the rim in a hurry, and when he does, he is more than capable of finishing with authority. At around six foot one, he elevates well above the rim and shows the fearlessness to finish in traffic. Also, he has a decent feel for the game, though his first instinct looks to be to score, which is just hilarious to me. I mean, I love you, Brian Snow, if you, if you just happen to hear this, but... Uh, you could not be more wrong on JD. One of the knocks that I would say on JD is that he's almost too passive whenever it comes to scoring. He's extremely unselfish. Uh, Seen that a lot on the circuit this year with him being very passive on his shots. I mean, on, on the Nike UIBL, he's been all about defending, putting his, his other guards, because Fusion, they have a ton of guards, putting them in positions to score. Um, and just doing the other things, you look at his box scores, he's always rebounding, steals, block shots. He just does the stuff that most guards don't do. Um, so, you know, he's one of those guys that when you talk about these stabs are now, they're going to be in a position to evaluate. They're going to go out and watch these guys. Alabama Fusion has a chance to make a run. He's going to get looks. So you see him off the cusp of the Elite 100 getting a St. Louis offer. He's already getting more attention. Memphis got in there early, Alabama, Auburn. Um, so he'd be one of the guys that I'd expect to get more attention. Another guy that, for the first time publicly, uh, a guy that, if you follow me on Twitter, another Alabama guy, class of 2022, uh, shooting guard, Barry Dunning. He is uh, an elite-level shooting guard uh, as a freshman a rising sophomore, uh, had a really, really good Elite 100. He's another guy. He's an Alabama Fusion guy that I expect Memphis to uh, target. He, this, you know, His interview with Brian Snow was the first time he actually said Memphis is recruiting me. So uh, those are two guys that I would love to see in, in Peach Jam for the 16-under and 17-under teams and get some attention. But uh, you know, who are you looking at for Memphis to get a little bit more involved with I mean, who who are you thinking? If they're going to add a guy to replace Cade Cunningham, who is that guy? Man, you put me on the spot with that one. Is Definitely. it Dalen Terry? Is it? I, I think it could be a guy like Dalen Terry because recently we've seen his stock rise a lot. And from watching him at the MBPA camp, he is a very capable athlete, very long athlete. I believe he's listed as a shooting guard on 247, but he's... He's definitely a point guard. That's what he wants to be. I think that's what the majority of schools are recruiting him at. Uh, so definitely a guy like Dalen Terry could be someone that Memphis says, okay, you know, we've we've kept him on the line for a while. Uh, we've we've watched him. We've evaluated him. But now that we feel like we're losing another target, it's time to hone in on him. And and he has a skill set that fits what this staff looks for in their guards and specifically their point guards 
a long 6'6", 6'7", athlete, uh, and still has plenty of time to develop. I wouldn't say he's as polished as some of the other players are targeting, like a Cade Cunningham. But as far as raw raw talent and size goes, Dalen Terry is the total package. And I think I think he's a guy that we could see in the top fifteen or twenty by the time um, by the time it's it's his time to go to college because I think thirty two is where he started. Now he's up into the mid twenties, so he's another guy that's been rising and and I could see Memphis targeting him targeting him because of the size and uh, the relationship that he's built with the staff up to this point. All right, so as you can tell, lots of different pieces up in the air, a lot of targets, uh, a lot of moving pieces. So stay tuned to Go Tigers 247. Christian will be at Peach Jam. We, uh, we're trying to get Kenny there as well. So stay tuned. We'll have all kinds of coverage on the site. And every other opportunity we have to be in a gym in, in July, we're going to try to be there. So uh, stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so transitioning from class of 2020 recruiting to Memphis's upcoming 2019-2020 season, uh, we actually had a chance to uh, go to media day where the returning players sat down with media and uh, kind of previewed what they've been up to this summer, their thoughts on some of the incoming freshmen, and their expectations for the upcoming season. So I guess just right away, who was uh, number one for you that you you looked forward to to hearing from, but also uh, who you took the most from? I think going into it, the mindset was, how is Lance Thomas feeling coming into this season after being ineligible last year? Uh, Because we know last season he was expected to be a big piece if he would have been able to play. So this year, even with some of those guys coming in, even with Isaiah Maurice returning, James Wiseman coming in, uh, Lance Thomas is going to play a big role this season. And I think that's been expected ever since he stepped on campus. And honestly, from you know, from listening to him to hearing what he had to say, uh, he he did not enjoy sitting out last season, which goes without saying. But with the year off, he felt like he was able to really digest the system, digest what Penny wanted to do on both sides of the court. Um, and now he's really getting a feel for some of these guys and, and, you know, what it's going to be like to play with this team, which I think is huge for him. Way different. Stronger, uh, tougher, way more confident. In every sense of the way of like just growth, I mean, I've grown, like my game has grown in every way, every single way, every checkbox. So from listening to what Lance had to say, you can really tell uh, how confident he is coming into this season and where he feels like his skill set is with the way he talks about just becoming a better all-around player. And I think that's something that should definitely get Memphis fans excited because as Lance said, there no one knows what he can do. He played 12 games his freshman year at Louisville, and he hasn't stepped on the floor since then. So uh, to see what he brings to the to the floor next season is, is crucial for this team. Um, and his confidence shows a lot about where he's at. And, I, and like I said, I think that's something that Memphis fans can really get behind and be excited about. Well, I mean, he's now had a year to, to learn the system, to develop. You think about a year off the court um, – you know, where you're just spending time in the gym alone, you know, working on 
your handle, your jump shot, your mid-range game. You know, for Lance, who's a guy who can step out uh, and do some things from the perimeter too, working on being that that face-up four uh, that Memphis so desperately needs. He's had a year to do that. He's had a year to spend time in the weight room. Uh, and, and now he's got a leg up on some of the guys who are coming in, like DJ Jeffries, like Precious Achua, um, and, and even guys like Malcolm Dandridge, even though Malcolm is, is coming in with an injury, he's still got a leg up on him. Uh, and, and then you got to think that you know he's a, a more highly touted player from a recruiting perspective than a guy like Isaiah Maurice. Um, and he, he knows what Isaiah brings in practice. You got to think that Lance Thomas knows exactly what he's got to do to see the floor now. Absolutely, and and like you said, having that year off, having that year uh, to kind of be on the court by yourself, I think the biggest thing with that is you can reflect on what type of player you are. At that point, you learn your strengths better. You know what you can do. You know what you can't do. I, I think it you don't have a false sense about yourself at that point because you've spent so much time in there working at that point, not having to focus on games or game plans or, you know, who am I I matching up against tonight? You just get to focus on yourself. So I think that's big for Lance. And, you know, going back to something else that he said during the interview, he talks about what it would be like to play with James Wiseman. I want to say probably the things that I haven't seen that he kind of showed little bits of, like the other day, he hit me with like the between the legs, like cross. I didn't know he had a handle like that. Just he's real raw. Like he stuff's happening to like parts of the game that he doesn't even know yet that we didn't know and hasn't even seen. Everybody knows he's athletic and can block shots, but you know he's a hooper. Like he can hoop for real, and I didn't know that. So from listening to what Lance had to say about playing with James, we all know the talent that James brings to the floor. Um, but you really hear that mutual respect there. You hear you know how much James has pushed Lance just this early on. Uh, but also you have Lance coming back and kind of saying, well, he is a freshman, so I have to have that upper hand. So it, it makes a lot of sense for these two to be working together. They have a lot of the same skill sets. They're both big, athletic, big men. <laughs> uh, and I think when we see them on the floor together, they will complement each other very well because of their similar skill sets. Well, you know, something that, that comes into play here when he talks about James that you, a lot of people don't think about whenever a guy like Lance Thomas sits for a year. The only way that Lance could contribute to the squad last year was, one, in practice as a practice player, but two, by being an encourager, by being a leader, by, by stepping up in moments and trying to keep everyone in place. And that, that's something that carries over for Lance for – him as a mentor to James Wiseman, to Malcolm Dandridge, to DJ, to Precious, he now has kind of a foundation of leadership for him as a, even though he's still a young player, he, he's a leader for sure because he spent a year spending his time with, with a team where the only thing he could do is try to encourage these players. So that will come into play whenever it comes to James because James, he's a tremendous prospect, but not many freshmen come in and just kill it from day one and kill it the entire season. You know, guys like James, elite level freshmen will have their ups and downs. And in those moments, it's going to be extremely important for Lance Thomas to be there for him. Absolutely. With the, you know, with the skill level and the hype that James Wiseman has, having a guy like Lance Thomas who understands the right buttons to push, which I, I think going back to what you said is something that he learned from that year out. 
um, not being able to be on the floor and have that same type of energy. So really being able to sit back and spectate uh, and see the way that guys were going and being able to push them in the right direction, I think is something that Lance learned a lot. Uh, and he is a guy with a lot of confidence and a lot of leadership ability. And I think that's a huge role on this team because with so many unproven guys and so many young guys, you have to have somebody that will step up and, and be a leader uh, but also push players like that because you have to have that competitive edge. You have to have that ability. And Lance Thomas is a is a perfect complement to James Wiseman, but he's also exactly what this team needs. Well, I mean, and what what this team needs from Lance is to, to be extremely good at the four, but they also need him to push James in practice. You know, Isaiah Maurice is a guy that will push James in practice as well. But Lance is a different style player. He's in a you know a really good shot blocker at his position. He's a bit of a throwback. He's long. Yeah, I mean he he can bring James to the perimeter. Uh, he can pull James out and try to step by him uh, on dribble blowbys. You know he's a guy that can can try to push James to his limits so that when they get into games against teams with elite level fours, with you know big guys that can actually you know, step out and create problems for him, he knows how to handle that now. So uh, I think overall Lance's interview showed a lot about what he did in the offseason to develop, but also what he brings to this team next year. So it's it's pretty exciting if, if you're a Memphis fan sitting back listening to that. Yeah, absolutely, because you wouldn't want a guy that had to sit out for a year, come out with a mindset of, you know, being angry that he was ineligible and wasn't able to play. I think clearly Lance is over all that. That's all in the past. And honestly seemed thankful for the year off. Obviously wants to prove a lot of people wrong and prove a lot of people what he can do. But at the end of the day, I think he will be thankful for that year off. I think it made him grow as a person and as a player. And I think we'll see that this season. All right. So uh, for the second, third, fourth, feels like fifth week in a row, we're, we're going to talk more about Memphis football recruiting. Mike Norvell. And staff just continue racking up uh, big-time commits for their 2020 class. Uh, and on, what is it, Monday afternoon, Memphis picked up another commit uh, from a uh, 6'4", 285-290-pound offensive tackle in Braxton Alford. Braxton is my son's middle name, so near and dear to my heart, Braxton. Good, good family connection there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Memphis now squarely in the top 50 at number 45 overall in the team rankings. Uh, what do you think about Braxton? What's he bringing to the table? Well, I think this obviously this is their third offensive line commit. Got two last week in Jonah Gamble and Mitchell Gildahouse. All tackles at this point with Braxton Alford on, on board as well. And I think it really shows what Ryan Silverfield's looking for in his offensive linemen. They've all been around that 6'4", 6'5", uh, high 280s, 290 mark because we know how good of a developer he is. But also what we've learned from Memphis' staff is they just constantly put out talent, especially on the offensive line, regardless of you know what it looks like they're going to have. I mean, they've taken a guy like Dustin Woodard, who's undersized, and turned him into probably the best offensive lineman in the conference. So I don't think it takes a special player for Ryan Silverfield to turn into a special player. Um, but he's definitely got three good ones right now. And like I said, Braxton Alford is another good one, has good size, uh, good athletic ability. And he also plays for one of the best high schools in Tennessee in Alcoa, which is another thing that this staff targets. They love having guys that come from prestigious high schools and Alcoa is definitely that. And from talking to Braxton, to Braxton, he uh, 
he thinks they'll be back in the state championship this year. So he's uh he's excited about that, you know, and excited to come to Memphis. And another good thing about Braxton is that he's planning on being an early enrollee, which we know Memphis loves, and every coaching staff loves to get those guys. So uh, to have another offensive lineman to build around uh, who plans on going out and recruiting other guys, as he told uh, me when he committed. So it's just another good piece for this class. 13 commits uh, in the month of Ju- or 12 commits in the month of June, with Braxton being the first in July. I think a lot like we talked about last week, Brooks, is is this class is really shaping up to be uh, one of the better ones. And, and Memphis is competing with some of the best schools in the country for commits at this point. I mean, you look at his 17 offers. This this man must be a genius because he's got offers from Yale, from Colgate, from Brown. Uh, and and then you got Arkansas State, you know, he's got to be a genius. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you, you mentioned something a minute ago. You said he's got great size for his position. So for an offensive tackle, what are, what are you looking at? If you're a coach, uh, he's at 6'4", 285. What's he beefing up to once he gets on campus? Well, as an offensive tackle, so for people that don't know, you have left tackle, right tackle. Left tackle uh, is typically your finesse tackle. Right tackle is your power tackle because you typically run to the right side of the offense. Uh, And all three of these guys that they've gotten at the tackle position so far are interchangeable. They've played both tackle spots in high school. Uh, But Braxton said they're really looking at him at that right tackle spot. So at 6'4", 285 now, uh, you probably want him at 315, 320 as a power tackle. And like I said, Memphis does have a lot of undersized offensive linemen. But when you're getting guys at 285, Typically, Memphis is getting offensive linemen at 260 and having to get them to 285. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so getting guys with good size already allows uh, Ryan Silverfield and the strength and conditioning staff to put some more weight on them and for them to keep that athleticism and that mobility. So I think when he gets on campus, uh, like I said, he'll be an early enrollee. Probably by the time the season rolls around uh, that 2020-2021 season, he'll probably be 315, 320 if they if they keep him uh, at right tackle, if they want him as a power tackle. So just living in the weight room, tons of peanut butter and jelly, milkshakes. Basically, big uglies. I'm all about it. I'm all about that mass life. All right, so a- after him, where's Memphis go? You know, this is a smaller class, and we're not talking about 20 to 28 commits for 2020. Right, so it, it will be a smaller class from, from everything that we've heard. Uh, I think it's – much like they do every year, they're going to play with the numbers. They're going to try to put as many people as they can in there. Uh, but sitting at 13 right now with 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball, I actually said this last week when we talked about football recruiting, but eventually, at some point, they're going to have to start getting some defensive guys. Um, and I think linebacker uh, is, is probably the biggest spot, linebacker and defensive line at this point, because they do have two defensive back commits. But they're still they're still really heavy going after guys like Kobe Wilson at a Parkview High School, who's a three-star linebacker with some really big offers. That's high on Memphis and planning to make a decision between August and September. So sometime within the next couple months, he'll be making a decision. And Memphis is certainly high on his list. But this is a point that I keep making that's gonna have to happen at some point. With Memphis expected to move to a four-three. Uh, and playing in a 3-4 under Chris Ball, defensive line has to be a priority because they don't have the depth necessary to run the 4-3 right now. Uh, so at some point, you'll you'll start to see a lot more defensive line targets, but I think that's something that they're really working on scouting. I think with the new defensive line coach and Tim Edwards, they really want to break that position down uh, and scout that out as long as possible before they start taking commitments. But that will uh, defensive line and linebacker will certainly be big targets uh, within the near future. So I'm, I'm going to give you a minute to think about this because I've actually thought about this before. 
Um, so I'm going to throw out my number one Hail Mary target for 2020. If Memphis could get one guy, it plays in perfectly with what you just finished with. Uh, he's a defensive guy. Corbett Mims? No. If Memphis could get one guy in 2020, regardless of whether or not they got a shot, I, I want Big O, Big Omari Thomas oh, at Briarcrest. You yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> it's a long shot. It's it's a long shot. I'm throwing deep to the left corner of the end zone. but Memphis actually did not make Omari Thomas's top six. I know. Which, like you said, it's a Hail Mary. So, I'm, I'm with you. If they could have one, it would probably be Omari Thomas because right, he – so you do a more legitimate one. If if there's a guy that the the number one guy that you think fits what they need, who is it? Corbett Mims. Right. That's as soon as you started saying that Corbett Mims is is the number one guy. All right. So who in in order to catch this hail mary, who's Memphis got to out jump? Um, right now he's got offers from Ole Miss, Tennessee, just Everybody. about just about every <laughs> SEC school. He, Memphis was actually, you know, one of his first offers. Uh, he was not extremely highly ranked when they started recruiting him. Uh, even the first time I spoke to him, I believe back in April, he wasn't very uh, highly ranked or didn't have a ton of offers. But they really started rolling in when these camps came around. But he's high on Memphis. Uh, he's a hometown kid from Kirby High School, so it's a hail mary. Uh, Like I said, he's got a lot of SEC schools after him, but if there's one that they have a legitimate chance at that they need is Corbett Mims because he can play the three-tech, he can play the one-tech, a really nice size for a defensive tackle. So somebody to keep an eye on, but definitely has major offers. Shout out to Corbett Mims. Man, this is good. I thought you had story time for me. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let's tell a story. Um, So let's rewind the clock. To Jalon Kendrick as a senior in high school. That's rewinding the clock. I have not been allowed to tell this story, but I feel like the statute of limitations on the NCAA and you know the University of Memphis and all all of that stuff probably up at this point. It's up, and we're right on the end of our twenty minute window. So I think we probably lost the majority of our listeners at this point. Yeah, we might so, as well just swing for the fences now. I mean, there are like three people that are going to hear this story. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I plan to come into town for Memphis Madness. Josh Passer had, you know, built up the, the momentum and had everybody hyped up. For those that don't know, give us a year on this. Uh, that was the 2009 class with Joe Jackson, Will Barton. Uh, you know, those guys had already committed. Um, Trey Draper, Trey Draper, shout out <laughs> Trey Draper, walk on. Uh, so, you know, those guys had already committed, and Jalon Kendrick uh, had committed, and so he was coming up for his official visit to Memphis Madness. He was coming up from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and I am about to hit the road from Birmingham to Memphis, and I get a phone call. I, I will not name the staff member. Probably a good idea. But I got a phone call. Brooks, are you still coming to Memphis this weekend? Yeah, what's up? Where are you? When are you when are you getting here? I'm about to get on the road right now. Um, do you have any room in your car? I'm like, what? Jalon's his family car broke down on the side of the road on uh, Highway 78. Uh, we we need you to pick him up. I'm like I've got my, you know, what, I guess at that time, like, one-year-old child in the car, or, you know, he was tiny, uh, you know, and, and me and my wife, and so we're, 
we drive and we pick up Jalon Kendrick and his mom and his little sister on the side of the road. What what's going through your head at that point when you get that call? Other th- other than your family being in the car. Mile mar- marker 43 is where we picked him up. L- legitimately took him to a gas station to get radio radi- radiator fluid for his brother's car. I did not pay for it. Jalon paid for it. We we circled back, tried to put it in, see if it would start up. Nothing. So we we jump in the car, we make the trek. Meet up with some folks at the Harley Davidson in Carrieville, Tennessee, make the exchange, and Jalon Kendrick starts his official visit. Uh, one of the craziest moments of my life. It was extremely weird. If you did not know how important Brooks Hansen is, there's there's your story right there. That lets you know that if Brooks is willing to go pick up a recruit, that he is dedicated to his job. And, and here's the thing. like That's one of those moments where you realize how insanely idiotic NCAA rules are you know technically I think that probably was an NCAA violation sounds you know, like I'm, it you know they were literally stranded on the side of the road though and it was 85 degrees when we picked them up it was burning hot um you know and you know you're doing the humane right thing to do by offering help to somebody um you know, and and his brother stayed with a car, had a tow truck come, and he rode a tow truck back to Atlanta. I mean, that's just, and it's absurd. So there was nothing really self-important about that moment for me. It was just more about doing the right thing for the kid and his family. Um, and it made for a great story. Yeah, seeing the light of day for the first time, ten years later. Yeah, I don't. Does anybody know that story? How many people do you think know that story? Probably a handful. That's about it. So you guys got some exclusive content. We just, dub- we just doubled the number of people that know it. <laughs> but nobody's, yeah, we doubled it. We got 10 more that know it. Nobody's going to listen to us for 33 minutes. But if you did, you just got a hell of a story from Brooks. Yes, sir. Well, hey, with that, I think, what, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. We will see you back here next week.